Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is our pre-season podcast and this is the final one where we have the last five teams to preview for the Supercoach 2019 season. And always going to be the case where we started with Billy and we have to finish with Billy. So you're fired up to finish off these pre-season ones, Billy? <laughs> when you put it that way, I feel like my feet are right. First 20 minutes, last 20 <laughs> Yeah, mate, I brought you on for the softening up period to start, and now I've got you on to win the match, so I reckon we'll be we'll be in for a good one this time. So let's uh, get stuck straight into it. The first team that we're going to talk about is the South Sydney Rabbitohs, a pretty super coach relevant team in the past, and it should be the same in 2019. As far as the games go in 2019, uh, Corey Allen's probably the biggest one. Highly touted youngster has already played. Uh, for the Prime Minister's Australian side against Papua New Guinea. Um, Probably going to be looking at some opportunity. But other than that, most of the rest of the guys that have come over to the South Sydney Rabbitohs are are mainly bench and um, backup players. Losses-wise, Robbie Farah obviously went mid-season. Tiro Fumano was um, a a pretty decent player off the bench for them. I quite liked him. And Heimel Hunt, um, solid backup, gone to the Newcastle Knights now. But their real loss was Angus Crichton. Uh, obviously a huge one in the pack, but should open up some pretty good opportunities as well. Aside from Crichton, probably the biggest change was Wayne Bennett coming across uh, from the Brisbane Broncos. And that's probably a good one to start off with, Billy, before we get to the players. There's obviously a bit of a worry that Wayne Bennett can affect the super coach output of the players that he has. Are you worried about Wayne Bennett going to South, or do you think that that's all just hearsay and people panicking and it doesn't make a difference? Oh, I'm sure people say that for a reason. But, um, they talk about him being a, a hooker killer, but look at the hookers that he's had in the past, mate. I, I just think the, the people that they're worried about, like uh, Cook and maybe sort of Murray, I, w- I wouldn't be worrying too much about it. If you think someone's a point per minute weapon, just get on. Yeah, I don't think it'll make a huge difference, but I guess um, one of the things that might happen, the way he does his rotations um, could very well be different. Um, so the rotations will definitely be a watch, and perhaps the first month it might take a little bit of time for the players to maybe gel as much as what they normally would under his game plan. But one guy that um, Wayne Bennett's coaching is spoken a lot about is uh, Damien Cook in super coach circles. People have been worried that Wayne Bennett I guess stunt Cook's attacking prowess that he's shown for Supercoach. Cook had a massive year, 726000 he's going to cost you to start in round one. So the most expensive player you can have. But he was the number one player in 2018 at 78 points a game. Obviously not been too relevant in years prior because he hasn't had a starting position. But as soon as he got that starting role, uh, at the Rabbits, he just took off as a number one super coach option and didn't look back. Brave man not to start with him, but quite a few are going that route. Uh, I'm going that route. I'm not going to be starting with Cook myself. A um, couple of reasons, and then I'll flick over to you, Billy, and you can tell me why I'm an idiot. But uh, Damien Cook's 726000 price tag is a bit too much for me. Uh, I do like to have a bit more depth 
in my side for round one, and I just found that it was needed to sacrifice somebody um, to have some of those other premium gun options. And I was hoping that Damien Cook, you know, instead of averaging 78, could maybe average high 60s to start the year, and uh, and I wouldn't be too far behind if that was the case. So kind of banking on a, a slower start for Cookie Billy, but what about yourself? Have you got him in your side, or how do you sort of see him as a round one option? Yeah, he's in my side, mate. Um, there's probably uh, half a dozen people that haven't left my side since the first draft. He's one of them. Um, I'm not going to say you're an idiot for not having him because I think he's only owned sort of 15% and there's a there's a lot of smarter super coaches than me out there, mate. And it's all, like you say, it's all about getting value for money. So plenty of people looking for the other price type person. What I'll add there for you is um, I've heard a lot about him having a career last year. Absolute garbage. He didn't have a career last year. His career PPM is 0.94. He does it every year. The only thing that's changed is his minutes. Um, Bennett's not going to change his minutes. Um, you can't untrain um, his PPM. He's always going to do that. He did it at the Dogs under a different coach. He did it at the Buddies. And Bennett's pretty much publicly um, promoted his running game, saying he's not going to change it. He really likes it. So um, I can't see any reason not to have him unless... You'd, like you said, you don't think he's going to average 76 and you can probably uh, get him a little bit cheaper or not so much cheaper, but buy someone else that's going to get get your 65 average for a bit cheaper to start with and spread the wealth. That's the only thing I can add there, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that you can go wrong, obviously, starting him. I guess a couple of the good uh, pros for starting with Cook in round one is despite the fact that he'll, he'll chew up a, a large chunk of your salary, he's a captaincy option every single week and there's not too many guys where... You can just throw the C on him and be pretty happy every week. Um, and he was that last year. He's going to be that again. Um, I think that he's a little bit protected as far as the Wayne Bennett factor or if there is a Wayne Bennett factor. And the reason being, you know, I've spoken about this in a lot of the groups, Cook's uh, high average isn't just because he's an attacking weapon. He gets through a lot of work as well, and I think he's really underrated. Um, because he's such a good attacking player, people forget all the base stuff that he does. He's got a good base. He does a lot of tackles, and that's obviously not going to change. So you're still going to get the, the high tackle work rate out of him, and he's still going to run. Now, whether you know his running game is as effective to start the season or he, he's making as many breaks or setting up as many tries or scoring them, maybe that doesn't happen. But even if it doesn't, you know, you're still going to get a good score out of him. So um, certainly don't think it's bad to start with him. Yeah, just one point to add there quickly before we go. Um, guys, well... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He had like 11 scores over 80 last year before round 21. So pretty much 50% of his scores <laughs> were massive. Um, he did start the season averaging 63 the first four rounds, like you said. So if you repeat that, yeah, he'll drop a bit of coin early. But one thing to think about is, um, are any of your cows going to mature quick enough before he bounces back to his 75 average? Because you know he's going to hit that very quickly. So don't... The only advice I'll give you is don't um, don't not buy him now because you think you're going to get him cheaper later because I don't think you will. Um, I think what the only reason why you wouldn't buy him now is just to spread that wealth a little bit earlier, I think, mate. Yeah, that's a really good point, and I agree with you. I think you have to have a plan. If you're not going to start with someone like Damien Put, you need to have a plan about what you're going to do, what your team's going to look like, and when he's going to get into your team. So for me, for instance, I've... Um, I'm going for a hooker that we'll be talking about a little bit later, but um, I've got Hodgson in at the moment. And Hodgson's going to be playing in round 12 for me, so he's got my buy cover covered. 
Uh, and then after round 12, I was looking at um, moving him on to Cook when you do have also the extra trades that you can do and uh, a lot easier to kind of move your team around at that point. So basically post round 12 is when I was going to get um, Cook in. The thing that worries me about it is the Rabbitohs draw is a little bit tough to start with with the Roosters and then the Dragons, both away games. But then they have the Gold Coast Titans and Manly Seagulls in round three and four followed by the Warriors and the Bulldogs in five and six. Gets a little bit harder up and down after that, but um, that three to six draw for that month, that's four weeks of games where they've got four not very good teams and teams that are going to give up a lot of super coach points in the Titans, Manly, Warriors and Bulldogs. Worries me a lot that he's going to put up a lot of points in those games and it could really hurt me, not only him. Oh, tell you, yeah, 100%, mate. He even scored 110 versus Storm last year. So I think the um, draw is kind of irrelevant for him. Um, here's another crap stat really, really quickly. If you think he's going to drop in price and get him later, um, between round 5 and 21 yeah, last year, he actually averaged 88. So he'll actually increase in value. <laughs> he's, he's such a beast. Like he's, he's just such a great super coach player. It's really hard not to start with him. Um, yeah. I, I guess the thing is, if you're not going to start with him, you need to be doing it because you've got those other premium guns instead and have a plan in place. If, you, if you, you've you not got any of the top three, four, five guys from scoring from last year, then you know that's going a bit extreme. If you've got you know two out of the top five from last year and, and Cook's one of the casualties, that makes sense to me. Uh, but you can't just leave everybody out and just go for... Cheapies and mid ranges and smokies, which I've seen in a few sides, that just doesn't work. And I think the other extreme doesn't work either. I've seen a few sides that have gone for all the top scorers from last year. Uh, so they've had like Cook, Turbo, Teddy, all of the most expensive players, um, Tom Alolo, Jake Trevojevic. Yeah, and those sides, <laughs> after you go through those first you know, half a dozen guns that they've got, it's pretty garbage. They just don't have any depth and um, they're just not going to be able to compete really, even though the top half a dozen players look great. You've got to just let a couple guys go. If you're going to let Cook go, I think it's fine. You just have to have a plan in place and who you choose at hooker is going to be really, really important if you're not having Cook. I think everyone knows how good he is. I think everyone that's not starting with him like me is very worried about not having him, but I'm still going to run the gauntlet and I think it can work. So let's move on to the second player for the South Sydney Rapidos. Uh, and that is their other gun, Sam Burgess. So Burgess has had a bit of a tumultuous off-season. He's um, obviously had that split from his partner. It looks like they're back together again, maybe. So hopefully that'll help. But he had one of his worst years in 2018. He only averaged 60 points. So it was actually just a shade above, rounded up to 60. Um, the year before, he was 65 points a game. And the year before that, it was 75 points a game. He's been dropping between 10 and 15% year on year for a few years now. His PPM um, has been dropping too, so his minutes haven't been much different. In 2018, he was at 70 minutes. That was the same the year before, and the year before that, he was at 72. So he's still been getting the minutes. He's still been playing enough games each season, but his PPM has been dropping, um, and his average as a result has been dropping as well. So, a bit of a concern. Um, he only just, just over half his games were 60 plus points. So, he hasn't been the consistent BC he has before. He's actually a borderline gun. Uh, at 560,000, though, 
I do see him as an option, uh, particularly as a front row forward where there isn't too many stocks. He's not in my side at the moment. I haven't looked at him, Billy. But do you think that we're going to see a bit of a resurgence from Sergis, or do you think that he's going to just stay a mediocre 60 and that's it? Uh, really hard to know. He was in my first draft, and then after about two or three weeks, I dropped him only because, like you said, the, the guy's been in a steady decline. His minutes haven't changed. They've been around 70. Um, but he only, I think he only scored one try last year, and he's available in that really tough front row four position and plays it that better first buy. Yeah, it's, he, he's, a, he's a tough sell, mate. He's, he's not going to score 120 or 130 like he used to, so that fear factor is gone, so it's probably best just to grab a plotter. But I wouldn't begrudge anyone putting him in the front row, but I just don't see the real, real upside there, so no for me. Do you think that he'll be a, a keeper in the front row spot by the end of the year? You, would you be planning to have him in your side? I mean, obviously the round 12 buy looks like an opportune time for him to come into your, to your team. I reckon he'll be a, um, a top sort of benchy or, or cover type player, but yeah, that you have, um, depending on how the rabbit's form goes. I think um, once Fifi gets his slow start out of the way, he'll obviously be the, the premier forward again. Yep. Then, um, d- depending on what role um, uh, TBJ plays, he'll probably be the other, um, unless someone like uh, Joe Ocker plays 30, uh, plays uh, 13 and gets 65 minutes, or, or you get someone like that in the front row step up. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's pretty tough. Um... There hasn't been the ownership that he's had in the past, so he's not going to be highly owned. So if he does do well, it'll be great. But also looks like he's he's going to be playing on an edge with Murray at lock. Uh, I mean, on an edge, he's probably not going to score as good as what he was in the middle, um, unless he moves from the edge to the middle for parts of the game. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a tough one. Um, I, like you said, couldn't be grudge anyone, but I tend to think that the 560000 is better spent on a second rower. Um, because the value for the second rowers, you're going to get a guy um, who's going to likely average m- uh, more points for a similar price because there's some underpriced guys in the second row. So you're going to get more bang for your buck just doing that. Like a um, Kikau's probably a good example. Uh, Kikau's $10,000 more, so just about the same price. Uh, and Kikau's probably got more upside to outdo what Burgess is going to give you. So, yeah, um, going to be interesting to see how Sam Burgess's season goes. Let's uh, move on to the mids, though. So, marvellous mids for South. We've got one that's on everybody's lips and one that's a massive smoky mid that hasn't been talked about much. Uh, but let's talk about Cam Murray, first of all. Uh, obviously pretty popular. Popular for a good reason. He's only 458000 Looks like he's going to be the starting 13 at the moment. Um, that should see his minutes increase. Last two years, he's only averaged 48 minutes and 51 minutes a game, respectively. And his scores have been 49 points per game in 2018 and 44 a game in 2017. So he should be looking at, you'd think, at least 60 minutes, um, which should give him another 10 points a game, meaning he's pretty underpriced. Um, he looks like that if he could get even, if he could get more than 60, he would be an absolute out-and-out gun, kind of like a um, Jairo type of style. If he could get 65 to 80, he'd be able to do you know workhorse numbers and be great. I'm going to count only games where he played in the 13. Yep. So 2017, he averaged 67 off 75 minutes. Games um, games last year, he averaged 63 off 58 minutes. So so that was a seven-game sample. So that, that was only one try and two line breaks. So it doesn't seem like a dangerous player SE-wise when you talk about um, clutch, but um, those world numbers show that he seems to be like a, a high-marsh type worker. 
um, I broke it down even further and really really looked at um, the tackles. The averages are the average average 35 tackles off the off that 58 minutes. So converting that, you're looking at around um, what was it? Uh, if he plays 80 minutes, that's 48 tackles. So for a 63 average or 58 minutes, mate, that's a scary thought. Even if you just get 65 in a mil, his his bases. His base is awesome, and I think he'd be in the same position. Yeah, I think that that seven-game average is the perfect comparison point on what he's going to be. He's played 58 minutes, which, you know, that's probably his downside. If he plays 58 minutes, I'd say that's a bit below where we'd expect him to be, and he still averaged 63. So if you can get 63 points out of him in 58 minutes, uh, that's going to be money time, and it's going to be 14 points above where he's priced at and his average for 2018. It's also going to be gun status. So, I mean... There's not many guns that you can buy that are only going to be 458k for round one. So I think that if he's a starting 13 and there's no other threats to his minutes that come out or anything or, or rotation things that happen, then you, you pretty much have to have him in your side, I reckon. Um, I think that he's the best mid-ranger forward-wise for round one. I don't think there's a better one, really. Yeah, one of the lads too close to the club said he's... Um... He's a really hard trainer, really hard worker, good kid, played at a very high level. Um, was he, um, I think he played big minutes with all state of origin in, in the youth, so it'd be interesting to see what Bennett does with him, but I don't think any, any coach is going to begrudge a, a hard-working, um, hard-working forward, mate, especially at his age. Yeah, definitely. So this next guy's a bit more of a smoky mid-range player, uh, but I know that you've looked at him quite a bit. Braden Burns looks like he, he might have an opportunity to be in the starting side for round one. Uh, no one's really looked at him, but he's only priced at 286k for a centre wing. And he's a guy that, um, in 51 minutes a game last season, admittedly only over five games, still averaged 38 points. So if he's an 80-minute player uh, in that back line, he, he could actually be averaging quite, quite well. I know that he's had some pockets of pretty good base here and there. Um, and he's shown quite a bit of promise, and Wayne Bennett's actually said that he quite likes him as well. So, I mean, he's somebody else. I know that you've looked into the numbers a lot, Billy. What have you seen in Braden Burns? Um, I found a two-game sample and did a pro- small profile on him, and Wilfred laughed at me. Only <laughs> 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 because he went back to 2017 and shot me down. But, um, but listen to me. So this is only a two a two-game, 80-minute sample from last year, okay? He scored a 72 and a 47. So the 72 versus the Roosters, your boys, 13 tackles, six in tackle bust, eight points in offloads, two in ineffective offloads, one line break, 20 points in, in hit-ups, and another eight points in one-point hit-ups and one try assist. Uh, the other game was eight eight tackles, 16 points in tackle bus, 20 points in H8s, and, and uh, two hit-ups versus the Broncos. So if you take the, um, the try assist and the line break out, that's a pretty decent sort of base. It was a uh, 52 and a 47 base, which was including the base attack for a winger. So what I took out of that is the guy seems to, if you exclude 2017 and maybe say to yourself, well, has he got more maturity? Is he trying to increase his work rate um, as a winger? If he's going to punch 20-odd points in hit-ups and get those sorts of, that sort of tackle busting going from that small sample size, it's priced at 38, um, like you said, only because he had another three games where he um, played smallish sort of minutes. Whether or not you want to start him or whether or not you want to get him as a cashy, um, 
I would seriously watch those trials and watch his work rate. If he's punching 20 to 25 points a game in hit-ups, I think he's a definite smoking man. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. But I kind of don't know what to make out of it because it's, it's an interesting one because in 2017, he had a 0.34 PPM, which was across a decent amount of games, across 10, 10 games, and he was playing 80 minutes on those 10 games. And it was absolute rubbish. Um, and I remember reading your article and also looking at his games in 2018. And before I did, I sort of thought to myself, Braden Burns is a massive bum. He is a massive bum that is going to be terrible for Supercoach. And I remembered everything he did in 2017. But then I was quite surprised when I looked at his couple of games in um, 2018. And even at the other games where he wasn't playing 80 minutes, the other three games that he played, he still was putting out pretty good numbers. So... It's it's either going to be that it wasn't a big enough sample size in 2018 and there were some anomalies in there, which can happen, or he's matured as a footballer, he's had a year in first grade, and now he's actually getting better, and this is more what he is. So it could go either way. It could be, go really pear-shaped, or it could go really well. 286000 isn't a lot to invest, and again, that round three to six slot of games... Um, Titans, Manly, Warriors, Dogs. Yeah, he, he could score tries in those games for sure. You could get some really good early cash out of him. I doubt many players, people are going to start with him either. Yeah, I know. But you look at um, Philip Sammy last year, absolute bum, and then a whole bunch of people bought him and then scored, what, three, four tries and then nothing. But by then, the points were on the board, the cash was gone. Like you said, it's just going to be one of those smokies. Look, if you need someone to fit in your team and he's, and he's the right price, then by all means, just chuck him there, see if he makes cash. Um, if you like Wilfred and saw those the stats from 2017 and one off, then yeah, either way, mate, he's just a, just a smoky. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's a smoky option. Um, certainly, we're not, we're not saying get Braden Burns on your side, but he's definitely an option that's not being talked about. Um, so it could be interesting. Let's go on to the big balls pod for the Rabbits, though. This guy has, has been a bit of a gun and an underrated gun in the past. Cody Walker, uh, he's going to be 569000 so he's pretty expensive. But he did average 61 in 2018. In 2017, he was at 60. And in 2016, he was at a massive 67. So three years in a row, averaging 60-plus. He's 5'8 only, which is a bit disappointing. He is a guy that can find some attack. Uh, 63% of his games in 2018... He actually scored 60-plus points, which is very, very good uh, for a 5'8". And he's also, again, got that run that we just spoke about. He's also going to be a pod. So I haven't seen very many people at all talk about Walker Billy, but he's a guy who, judging on the stats that we saw from Supercoach, would have benefited tremendously and was one of the top half a dozen players in regards to benefiting from the new try contribution stat as well. Um, He's not being spoken about at all. Do you see him as a as a guy that's being a bit underrated at the moment? Nope, not at all. No way in hell. Um, Twelve tries last year. Will he repeat that? Maybe, but he won't do any better than that. Um, and eight scores below forty-four. I think that alone sells it for me. Yeah, yeah, he's an attacking player, and yes, he will score tries again. But will he score that many? I'm not willing. I'm not willing to bet on it, mate. So pretty much dead for me. Oh, I'm glad that we got one that we're going to disagree on pretty heavily. <laughs> it's good no it needs to be different opinions I, I don't agree with you because to me yeah he scored 12 tries last year but he's got three years in a row where he's averaged 60 plus 61 60 67 
So regardless of how you know someone scores their points, if they manage to do it for three years in a row, to me, that's the sort of player that they are. They're going to do it. So whether he gets his points from try scoring, um, from you know the, the assists and the contribution stats, um, doesn't you know, doesn't really matter. I think that he's going to get them. So I'm not going to have him in my side, um, but I see him as a pretty good option if you want to go for a smoky half um, and you've got some of the other more fancy guys in there and you just want to you know, go for a pun on a pod. I reckon from round three onwards, he, he could really do very well. I guess the only big question mark is whether Wayne Bennett's game plan is going to, is going to work to Cody Walker or not. But I think he's a bit underrated at the moment. I wouldn't begrudge anyone from having a crack at him as a, as a bit of a pod play. But let's move on. We don't agree on him, but I, I think we'll both agree on the cheeky for the Rabbitohs. Uh, Corey Allen has got massive wraps on him, Billy, and obviously he hasn't really played first grade, um, but still played in the um, Prime Minister's side in Australia, which was phenomenal. Like To get a kid that's that highly regarded and gets to play um, in an Australia B side at NRL level um, that hasn't even played in the NRL for a club he's surely going to get an opportunity and as a full-back dual centre wing, 168k rookie priced, he looks like a no-brainer, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely right. Even um, even if he's only going to play two or three games until GI's back, he's probably worth just getting chucking him in for that two or three games. You might get points out of him at full-back as opposed to playing a winger. Yeah, for sure. And look, he's going to get opportunity um, and... He's probably not the worst guy in the world. You know, if he ended up out of the side round four or five, he's going to play in round 12 as well. So even if he's a guy that, um, you know, you, you have three or four weeks where he's out, he's going to come back and then he's going to play round 12 and he's going to give you a couple of good uh, rises and then you can trade him out of your side. So I don't see him as bad as maybe some of the other guys that, that might come in and might get dropped. He's, he's definitely going to be in, in South plans through the year. Um, so let's move on now to the Raiders because they're a really interesting side, as they normally are, because they normally got quite a bit of attack in the Canberra Raiders team. They've got their couple of Englishmen that came across, John Bateman from the Wigan Warriors, uh, along with Ryan Sutton, and both of those guys are, are probably going to make quite an impact. They've just recently got... CNK, Nickel Klockstad from the New Zealand Warriors, who looks like he's going to be playing fullback. Uh, other than that, they've just got some depth signings that have come across. But losses-wise, Blake Austin's gone from the Harvest, which opens the door for White to move there. Shannon Boyd's gone to the Titans, uh, and they've also got um, a couple of other props as well, like Junior Polo, and then some depth props like Liam Knight and Charlie Gubb that have gone. So quite a few holes in the middle for the Raiders. I don't think that they're going to go too fantastic this year in real life, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to go well for super coach, mate. Yeah, I'm just glad Rukana's not there, so I don't have to decide whether go or no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first guy we're going to talk about on that gun list for the Raiders is going to be Josh Papali. Papali ended up scoring 64 points a game last year. Um, that was down from the prior year of 66, but He's been 63, 66, and 64 the last three years, and he's a dual front row forward, second row forward guy. So he's quite a handy player to have. Unfortunately, he's just under 600k at 595. That's pretty expensive for me, and I'm going to take us back 12 months. Last season in the preseason podcast, really, I banged on to you about 
how Josh Papali was going to be my pod because he was a bit underpriced and the Raiders had a great draw to start the year. And, of course, he came in and absolutely stunk it up. Um, in 2018, in his first uh, 1-10 round games, he averaged 58 points, which was five points below where it was priced at. And he was probably a lot worse than that 58 points suggested. He even got dropped during that period as well and basically looked like a guy that needed to be slipped Kenny Craig's number to get about 10 kilos off him. He looked really bad. Of course, after Origin, he stepped up. Between rounds 11 and 26, he averaged 68 points, 10 points above what he did for the first 10 rounds. So I guess for me, I I got burned last year, so I I don't think I can do it. In saying that, um, you know, the year before last, he played well to start the year. So a bit Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I mean, which Papali do you think is going to turn up for round one? The fatty or, or the guy that's smashing out 68 points? I think both will, mate. He's dead set the most frustrating player to ever own, and I never have. So I've seen people buy him, and he scores a ton on the edge, and then he comes back with a 48, and he gets a 80, and he comes back with a 48. He's just he's just hot and cold, and uh, that sort of price, you don't want anyone hot and cold. Or sorry, that that hot and cold in the forwards at this time of year, mate. The other thing is with the, new, the two new guys coming in, like you mentioned, Sutton and um, Bateman, who knows how they're going to be used and where Papali's going to be used. So uh, I think one of the lads did a profile on the other day and said his, his work rate at 13 is a lot better than, than elsewhere. So I would only buy him if he's maybe playing 13, but how many minutes he gets there, that's the big thing. Rate, Raiders forwards generally don't, don't get much at all, so... He needs some pies, mate, and not the ones he consumed last summer, so I'm going to stick there with <laughs> Well, he only averaged 67 minutes a game in 2018, which is actually his lowest. Um, but funnily enough, he had his best PPM he's ever had at 0.95. So that suggests to me that if he is going to pick up the extra minutes from, say, you know, Junior Polo going and um, uh, Shannon Boyd leaving, um, and there's talk of him playing maybe some 13 and also some prop, um, then... Yeah, if he goes back to 80 minutes, he's absolutely underpriced and he looks like he could have a great year. But unfortunately, I don't think we're going to know that before round one. So for me, it's just a bit too risky um, to put him in. If he's going to do 67 minutes, it's just going to be disappointing. If he does 80, you're going to look like a genius. But it's just going to be a guess at this point, it looks like. Yeah, mate, I have to agree with it. So let's move on to their other gun. Uh, and that is a guy that I have in my side instead of Damian Cook, and that is Josh Hodgson. So Hodgson's only 592k for this season. He's coming off a 63-point average in 2018, um, only managed 11 games because the first half of the season he was recovering from injury. But in the prior years, he had a pretty down 2017 with only 54 a game. But in 2016, which was his M hooker of the year, uh, 62 points a game. So pretty similar to what he did in 2018. A couple of things that I like about him. The first one is um, his price point is, you know, around 150k almost less than what Damien Cook is. Uh, and he should be able to easily do the 60s based on um, what he's done in the past when he's been healthy. Other thing that isn't on the stats and stuff, Billy, is he did get... Um, the captaincy for the Raiders and I always think stuff like that matters you know I think that he's really going to be up for this year he was hurt for a lot of last year the Raiders missed out on the eight 
Um, he's got the leadership responsibility now, and their halves that they've got, they don't have any halves that are going to be very good um, compared to the other teams attacking-wise. So I sort of feel like Hodgson's going to be relied on quite a bit, and he's a really good attacking hooker. Um, so I actually see him as quite a good option. I'm pretty excited for him to keep the Gold Coast Titans in round one. Yeah, I didn't know he was playing the Titans round one. That's another enticing thing for him. He's not for me, but he does start pretty well. He's pretty consistent with his um, scores. So it's one of those 50-50 calls. Uh, put it this way, if, you're not, if I wasn't getting cooked, he would be probably the only that in nine I'd look at. Um, nothing nothing more to say apart from what you just said. I'm just going back to um, 2017 to see what I can see there. Oh, geez, he had a lot of 80-minute games for nothing there. I oh, know, it sort of adds up. He had a 59, 59 average in 80-minute games in 2017. It just looks pretty ordinary because there's a lot of really, really low scores there, but most of those were 65-minute games. So... Yeah, he's put a couple of big numbers up. He's, he was more volatile that year with a lot of 40s and 30s, but he seemed to somehow get up to 60. But, yeah, like you said, if for his price with that sort of run, if he's going to repeat last year, then absolutely. I think he got a 84, 71, 48, 84, and 67. So an average of 70 in his first five games last year. So I can see your appeal. Just want to hope he has that sort of uh, early run, hey? Yeah, it all it all depends on the run. I mean, like if you if you look at some of the runs that he had in 2016, um, and I'm sort of I'm obviously going glass half full and hoping that he's going to get back to that career form um, because he was young enough and good enough to be able to do it. But in 2016, he had some really good runs, and what tended to happen was he, he might have one or two games that were really ordinary, but he would always bookend them with really big games. So I mean. You know, he had um, 117 points uh, one round, uh, one game in 2016, and then he's gone to a 32 and a 48. But then he's hit that after the 48 with an 81, a 64, and a 68. Um, and then again, same thing. He had a, a 47, 55, not too great. And then he went on a decent run of 59, 53, 74, 126. So he has these good runs of big scores, which is what I like. Um, he does have some lower scores in him, um, and I guess there's no getting away from that. You're going to get some low 50s in there. If you're buying him, you're buying him for his attacking prowess um, and the fact that he can bust out a ton. Um, and he, he always gets uh, at least a couple of tons every year, um, and they're always big tons in 2016. He had 126 points and 117 points, um, and he had uh, three 80-point games as well. So... He's definitely got the big scores in him. Um, I guess for me, I'm just hoping that he's going to get that at the start. Uh, I was talking to Wilfred about it, and I was saying, you know, I, I think that if if Cook can average, um, you know, below 70, I feel like that Hodgson's going to be within five points of him. I feel like Hodgson could definitely do a 65 to 66 average to start the year if he hits a big one against the Titans and then maybe against your Eels in round five as well. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there, mate. I just had another look really, really quickly to see if um, opposition made a difference and pretty much spot on the money. So he had uh, half of his scores last year were over 67 and all those were the clutch games. And that was Warriors, Tigers, Sharks, the abysmal cows. Had Broncos in there for a 71 and a, uh, another 84, 46 minutes versus the Tigers. So if you, I haven't looked at his draw, but if you're saying he's got Eels and Titans and maybe another easy easier one in there. Certainly looking at a really good option early. The only question I ask, I'm asking you is, 
would you hold on to him or would you try and elevate off him very, very quickly into Cook? Uh, I, my plan at the moment, um, and this is what I was talking about with Cook, where you need to have a plan, is to play him through to the round 12 bye because he plays the first bye, which is handy. And then after the round 12 bye, I'll be looking at trading him to Cook and I was hoping that I could do it with, you know, maybe only 50, 60K needed to, to be able to get that trade done. But if I was going to play two hookers, though, you know, if he does play well enough, it might be the case where we have two really good hookers this year and you just run with um, Hodgson as the backup to Cook as far as your keepers go for the run home. So Yeah, well, if that um, Egan or, or Man, whatever you're talking about, doesn't eventually, there's no, you're not going to chuck a bum there because if uh, worst case scenario someone goes down, you'd be having an AE, so maybe it is a sensible thing to have uh, Hodgson and Cook or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a tough one for our mind to spend on both hookers, but um, like looking at the draw, just going back to your earlier point, they start with the Titans, which is really good. Um, then they've got tougher games against the Storm and the Knights, but both of those are at GIO Stadium, um, where they do historically play better. After those tougher games, though, they have the Cowboys and the Eels back-to-back in round four and five, um, and both of those seem pretty decent, but probably the best thing... Um, about that draw is out of their first six games, four of those six are at GIO Stadium in Canberra, um, which is the other thing I really liked about it. Yeah, I'll go out on a limb and say those um, those few tougher games kind of offset him. And he, he does well, but he's probably more of a low, 60, low 60s average. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that that first six rounds he's going to average uh, mid to high 60s. That's what I'm sort of gunning for um, by putting him in and sacrificing Cook. But... We will see. I, I see him as the, the second best option at hooker. Um, probably, well, probably equal with Cam Smith, I guess, but I probably favour Hodgson slightly more. But we'll see how he goes. Um, let's go on to our fallen gun. And this is a guy who I've had in my side and out of it about 15 times. Uh, Jared Croker. Hasn't been spoken about much. He's basically a pod at this point for round one. With good reason. Uh, the last two years, Croker's only done 54 and 55 points which is a far cry from his um, keeper days where in 2016 he averaged a massive 72 points and in 2015, 61 points. For me, 509,000 is pretty appealing if he's your one-gun centre wing. Um, I was trying to look at a two-gun centre wing approach and having him and Luttrell in there, but I couldn't quite make it work. But Croker to me really looks like a bit of a smoky. Um, he's a goal kicker, which is handy. He's got some rubbish scores, but... He can go on some good runs, and he has been a high-scoring player in the past. I looked at the draw, and that's what was appealing for me. I kind of felt that against the Titans, Cows, um, and Eels, and um, Manly in round seven as well, you know, I sort of felt like the majority of their first couple of months, goal-kicking and hitting some attack, he could end up being quite good value for money. Yeah, look, he's he's 50-50, but you're going to get what you pay for. He's he's a goal-kicking centre. They're, they're pretty rare, and... Uh, we talked about this one a few weeks a few weeks back when we did um, a bit of a bit of data mining into the top ten sort of centre three quarters each year, and they they always came back to being the goal kicking centre three quarter or, or the second rowers that played 80, 80 minutes available centre three quarter and one or two anomalies or smokies. He's in that goal kicking centre category. Um, he'll be a pod of sorts because let's face it, he's he's at a reasonable price, but like you said, with that draw. Um, he's a pretty reasonable option. Worst case scenario, you're going to get what you pay for. So if you want a, a half-decent sentence recorder, he'd be one of them. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised that more people aren't putting him in, actually, considering how popular he's been in the past. And he's never been terrible. 54 points last year. was Because of how bad the centre wing was, it was pretty close to being keeper status anyway. Um, and like you said, goal-kicking four, pretty fantastic, especially against some of those bad teams. So I don't see him as a bad option at all. Um, and with no Palmer, um, I sort of feel like they might end up going towards Croker's wing. Uh, Croker's side and um, with Kotrick on the wing there even more than going BJ and Oldfield which looks like the, the crapper side of the attack to me so yeah not a bad option let's um, move on though so past all our guns for the Raiders and now on to our marvellous mids and we've got the English duo mate uh, Ryan Sutton and Bateman so Sutton I was a little bit interested in um, front row forward priced only at 320k minutes were always going to be a concern um, so to me, he needed to get a pretty decent chunk of minutes. Maybe 55 minutes a game would be ideal. And with um, Paulo and Shannon Boyd gone, maybe he'll do that as a starting prop. And Bateman is the other one where it's exactly the same issue, mate. John Bateman is a dual centre wing second rower at 400k on the dot. Nicely priced for a forward that you can plug in your centre wing if he's actually starting and getting the minutes. But again, we don't seem to really know. Yeah, 100%. The um, the two poms are interesting. I Googled them and looked at all their video footage and one looks really good, one looks pretty ordinary. You probably know which one I like. Yeah, I know that you're all over Bateman. I'm actually um, pretty confident that, that Sutton will be a pretty good NRL player, um, like a James Graham type of stock. I, uh, I've watched his... I've looked at his footage and as well as his numbers. I know James Graham wasn't really a tackle buster or an offloader. Um, Sutton's exactly the same. If you yeah. look at his stat sheet, I, I, I had to look at the uh, the column for the entire year just, just to try and find one offload, one line breaker, one tackle bust. He just seems like a, a 37 minute James uh, Aiden Tolman type player. He's going to have to get some really big minutes for me to get any interest, mate. I'd, even if even if he had 65 minutes, I wouldn't even buy the guy. But um, big call, mate. 65 minutes, I, is 100 grand easily. As far as I'm concerned, that's 200k waste, mate. He's just he's just a point per minute bum but if he makes coin I see why people are going to get him I just think he's going to be this year's Wallace I'm really concerned about getting him yeah I mean I see it a little bit differently from you which is good because two different opinions but uh, the reason I see it differently is because some of those guys um, that come across from England especially some of the props and stuff do better here it's almost like it's more of a physical game here with props and stuff and tight D and the work rates are important and there it gets a little bit more open and a little bit loose. So guys like Bateman can clean that stuff up, whereas they're not going to get those opportunities necessarily the same here. But a guy like Sutton, um, he's not, you're right though, he's not going to get tackle bus, he's not going to get offloads, that's not his game, but he does have the work rate with the runs and also the um, tackles, and he's also a younger guy as well that has a bit of upside. None of that would matter if he was priced, you know, you know, half a million dollars, but he's only 320000 and he's in a position at front row forward where you've got really very few options. So if he's a starting prop and you don't want to invest in the front row forward spot, him and TPJ, you know, I'd be fine with that considering there won't be many cheapies there. Yeah. Do you, have you had a look at the Raiders front row forward minutes um, for the last couple of years? I'm just trying to have a quick look, but I don't recall any of them ever playing big minutes. Like 45, like 45 for a starter and 30, 35 for benches from memory. Yeah, look, Paulo was sort of, uh, you know, 17, he was 55 minutes and then he was about 40 or in 2018. Um, as far as Boyd goes, I think that Boyd was pretty similar. 
no, Boyd was more around the 35 to 40 minute mark. It's a little bit hard though because yeah, Boyd and Paulo are short minute players and they're quite big. Um, someone like Ryan Sutton's a little bit um, not as beefy um, and, but can play bigger minutes even though he wasn't necessarily in the Super League. So I think they were getting lower minutes more because you know Boyd and, and Paulo are pretty big players that can only do short stints. Uh, Junior Paulo played a few a lot of games between 57 and 63 minutes so uh, I thought he would have scored more in those games but yeah so you might be right there might be some decent minutes for an alpha prop there yeah I mean the the thing is that they've definitely lost a lot of players um, for that middle rotation so they are going to be pretty thin there and Havili is probably going to be on the bench as well um, and he'll probably play you know maybe 20 minutes at lock and also a backup hooker type of role so um, I don't think they're going to have a huge amount on the bench there um, I think he's an interesting option, but let's talk about Bateman. Do you think Bateman's going to start? I don't think he would have come over here to play bench, but also quite possibly came over here just to play in Australia and and, and, and test himself. I don't think they would have paid decent money to put him on the bench unless they start him there and then work, work him up. Maybe the heat or something or other, but I doubt that. It's plenty of time to get used to it. I honestly think they'll probably pay him um, middle and push Papa up. Uh, I think they've got some decent edges they, they can use. I think really think they need to fill that fill the void forwards, mate. I think he's what from what I've seen online, maybe maybe he'll be good in the middle. But what video footage in the UK is a lot different to actual footy out here, so I'm not gonna speculate. I'm just gonna hope he plays thirteen, buddy. Yeah, he's a guy that can also um back up. Um he's played in the centres before. He's played in the back line as well as the forwards. Um so he is he does have that utility value, almost like a bit of a uh, Yeo from the Panthers um, at the start of his career. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still think that there's a chance that he's playing on the bench. So I think if you're looking at him, uh, he's got to be starting if you're, if you're going to grab him at 400k. And then if he is, and you know that's a pretty good buy, and I'll probably have to change my set of wing around and throw him in there. But if he's not starting, um, then you, I don't think you can go near him. And if you do have him at the moment, you should have a contingency plan for round one in case he isn't. Because yeah, the only thing I'm going to say, I know UK footage is a lot different uh, out here, but the highlight reel I've ever had, um, had him busting a lot of tackles, a lot of lines. He just seemed really involved. He does fill out a, a super coach stat category, so that's the reason why I was pretty excited about him being available at Sounds Three Quarter. But yeah, minutes and uh, position will be the key, buddy. Yeah, for sure. So let's um, let's have a little bit of a look at our uh, cheapies. We're talking about how Ryan Sutton's a prop and it's a position pretty hard. Um, another guy that's a prop for the Raiders is Emery Gula. Uh, now, he played 28 minutes a game last year, uh, only three games though, and he scored 30 points a game, so small sample size, but still over 1 ppm, which is good. Only 227k, we've just spoken about the minutes that could be available. Looks like that he's he's got a very good shot at the 17. Um, 227k, Billy, if there's no other cheapies for the front row forward spots, aside from Payton Haas, it might be tempting just to throw him in there, even off the bench, considering the minutes that might be available in the middle. Yeah, it has to be starting, buddy. Got to be starting. You wouldn't go there for you know forty minutes a game, maybe that you could get for no. forty points. No. Big call. I reckon I'll be going there. Um, if he's if he's going to get forty minutes a game um, and score forty points a game, based at two hundred twenty-seven k, and there's no other forward cheapies to have. I think I pretty much have to go there and just have a bit of a slow burner. But oh, if there's absolutely no one, then then maybe. Yeah, I mean the other the other guy that's obviously there as a cheapy option is Clockstad. 
Um, so he has come over from the Warriors recently, starting to get quite a bit of um, momentum. Uh, so C and K uh, is apparently training at fullback at the moment, and they sort of gave him a bit of a jersey ceremony to welcome the Raiders, and it happened to be the number one jersey as well. So he looks like that he's probably going to get that jersey. He's um, only 260k himself, so as a centre wing, he looks like a, a pretty good option, especially when you think about the draw that we just had and if he's playing fullback. Yeah, um, I looked I looked at his footage of they do very, very fancy football, mate. Pretty keen on that if he's at fullback. Yeah, he looks like a talent at the, at the Raiders, so I reckon he's, he's straight into my side if he's at fullback. Put him straight in. He, he could be one of those cheapies at, at 260k or, or mid ranger, I guess. But he's. I think I think he'll be in a lot of teams if he's that price at fullback. Oh, you think so? But strange things happen. But he's the type of guy in, in round one against the Titans that at that price could throw up a hundred um, and then just start piling on the money really quickly. It could be a big cash maker. So as far as the big balls, pods, and smokies, I got a couple of guys to talk about, and one of them's. Um, one of your old flames, and the other one's one of my old flames, as far as Smokies go. Let's talk about your man first, though, Kotrick. Um, so Kotrick was pretty close to getting a Blues jumper, jumper last year, it looked like. Um, pretty highly touted, and he, he's a good player. 450k, though, for a winger, but he's only averaged 48 and 50 points the last two years, but he's he showed quite a bit of promise, and he's had some pockets where he's played really well. I know a lot of people were hoping that he was going to get a fullback spot. He's not for me, mate, but I know that you looked at him in the past and, and sort of thought there might be some upside there. Uh, I did that profile based on the fact that someone said he might be moving to fullback, and I liked his I liked his work rate and tackle busting ability, and figured, look, if he just get if he can just get through the line and do a couple of assists, that might be better, but. One of the lads, sorry, about half a dozen of them rightly pointed out that he can't pass and there's a reason why they're not going to play him at fullback. So I kind of aborted that. I, I really think if he was playing fullback, he'd be a really good watch. Maybe a guy like Dugan who just sort of holds the, holds the hit-ups and does the tackle busting but needs to get through the line in order, to be, in order to be effective, especially at that price. So I'm kind of hoping he just stays in the wing and does a really good job there and CMK gets the fullback gig. Yeah, I think that... Um... I think I agree, uh, definitely, that if he was a fullback, I'd probably have to put him on my side for round one, to be honest. I'd probably have to throw him in there because 450k, um, and like you said, he's got that tackle-busting ability, try-scoring ability, and he's just a really good player. Um, and he's got a pretty good size for him as well. So on the wing, I couldn't do it. If he was a bit cheaper, I wouldn't mind taking the punt. But a guy that I do like a bit more as a smoky is a guy that I started with round one last year, and I felt like I... Uh, I nailed him as a big balls pod, um, and then he, he broke his thumb and went off injured, and I had to trade him, and that was uh, Joe Tappany. He went pretty well last year, career year, 63 points a game, uh, played 77 minutes a game, and that's why. He had some big scores. Because of that, he's priced at 590k now, so he's not cheap anymore, whereas last year there was a fair bit of value there. Um, he's got a decent PPM. If he's playing 80 minutes again, uh, he I could definitely seen as a smoky Billy after throwing up 63 points a game last year and having some injury-affected games. Yeah, had a few shorter games as well, wasn't it? Uh, I'm just going to take those out. So 47 minutes and a 57-minute game. Yeah, so 67 average it pumps up to after that. Some consistency. Well, once he got going anyway, he started pretty slow, but then sort of ramped up with 64, 90, 67, 56, 112, 87. Oh, shit, there's 138 in there. 
Yeah, he's got some form, buddy. I can see why you're interested. Price where he is. I think he's in that awkward price point where there's a lot of quality in the second row. And if he, if he, isn't, avail- if he isn't available in the front row or, or centre three quarter, not for me. Yeah, he's second row. And so last year he was a dual position, which was part of the benefit because I started him as my prop. But this year he's lost that dual and now he's only a second row forward. One of the reasons that I liked him so much is his game is so good for Supercoach because he offloads really well, gets a lot of tackle breaks, and he's got the ability to get through the line as well and get the odd try. So he definitely does all that stuff. Must be a good offload because he doesn't have many of them, but um, they're spread, they're, they seem to be pretty even, like one per game for a bit, then a couple, then none for four games, then one here and there. I think he... Yeah, it's probably more... Uh, oh, his tackle busting is phenomenal, actually. He has some games where he has sort of eight, nine, ten tackle busts. Yeah, one game with 12 tackle busts. So that seems to pick up later in the season, too. He had none earlier. Maybe he got some confidence or started running some better angles. He really picked that up, and his tries started uh, really, really appearing. His evasion, his evasion was, was awesome. So his base really picked up as well mid-season. So... And I can see your appeal. Um, I just think he's in that awkward price point in a position where there's so much quality, and I'd rather pay something, pay uh, pay more for a Crichton or a Martin type person. But if you're on a if you're on a budget, price to the 63 with that draw, you could do worse, mate. That's a really good pod. Yeah, I really like him. It's um, it's just it's hard to fit him in, like you said, because of the other players that are available. But I think if you're stacking your your second row forward, if he's your first forward off the bench, your fourth second rower. Um, that could actually work out really well. To talk to last year's slow start as well, it was the first year that he um, you know, had a big minute starting gig. He's only played sort of you know, 40 minutes basically the last few years and never really been a starter. And then he got the big contract from Canberra and got the 80-minute gig basically. Um, and he also got hurt at the start of the year too. So I kind of feel like his run um, in the second half of the season might be him. He's matured a little bit. He's gotten used to it and he's gotten over his hand injury as well. And when you look at the, the end of the year, his last um, games, he had like from midpoint onwards, 67, 56, 112, 39, 87, 44, 60, 138, and a 41 to close the year, but less minutes in that one. So he, he does have those 40s in him, but you're going to get those real big scores out of him as well. And I kind of like that if I think that I can jag a run and then sort of move him on later, but... Yeah, I, I'm probably with you. I'd probably rather just grab a keeper and leave him in there like a kick out or something. But, geez, if you're looking for a pod, I reckon you could do worse. I just had a closer look while you were rattling that off, and I was about to say exactly the same thing. If that was his first year uh, <laughs> starting on in a starter position on the edge, you take those first sort of five games, that where he was finding his feet. From, that, from round six, was it? Round six onwards for the rest of the season... You take that game out where he played 57 minutes and he was injured. For from round six onwards, he averaged 76. That's huge. Maybe, maybe you should maybe you should delete this profile. <laughs> well, jeez, oh, I, I wish he didn't get hurt at the start of last year and he just went the whole way. But um, I'm going to have to rethink it. I, I really think that he's a good pot option. Hardly anyone's going to own him, so um, good one for us to talk about. But. Let's move on to the final Raiders player that we're going to touch on, and that is the mistake in the Raiders side. And I actually couldn't believe that I've seen this guy in a few sides that have been posted. BJ Leilua, um, I, I don't understand it at all. He had some terrible games last year as well, and some terrible runs. Um, I don't even want to look at his stats, Billy. It's just, it, it's got to be just a no, isn't it? 
<laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> just don't do it, guys. We're not even going to go through his numbers. We're just going to move on to the, the Warriors. Um, so the New Zealand Warriors, I don't reckon, are going to go too well this year, but they probably still score some decent points, and they've actually got a good run as far as their draw goes. Um, Gangs are Lisa Armour to come over from the Dragons, who's interesting. Adam Kieran from the Panthers is probably going to be their, their starting half to replace their show. Other than that, um, they've lost quite a few players, so their quality is really shot. Um, they've lost Simon Mannering and Sean Johnson, who are big players, um, but also bench forwards like Vite and uh, Gabay really soften their middle up quite a bit as well. But um, SJ and Manners are going to make a big difference, especially when you're playing with a rookie half. I reckon that they're going to be down the bottom this year, Billy. Yeah, not 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 far off you, mate. Right with you. Above the eels somewhere. <laughs> Above the eels somewhere, nice. Um, well, let's talk about probably the only couple of guys that we can get close to gun status, and these are fallen guns anyway. Uh, and our first fallen gun is the captain of the Warriors, RTS, Roger Tulbazashek. He's priced at 535k, so he's a very cheap option compared to some of the other fullbacks. Average 57 a game last year, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't at sort of that keeper level. The year before, he did 60 points a game. It's a far cry from his 2015 Bruce's numbers where he smashed out 77 a game. Um, but I, I've actually seen him as a, a decent option and a guy that I really want to start, but because he's fullback only, I can't do it. And I'll tell you the reason why I sort of see it there because I know you and a few other guys don't really see it at all. Um, the eye test for him in the last, definitely last season, um, he'd become a lot better ball player and he was a lot more involved in the attack. And he was starting to get some really nice balls away and um, some really, really good um, line break try assists away to his outside backs and linking in quite nicely. Haven't really seen him do that that well before. As a result, he had some decent runs of stringing together two or three pretty big games. Um, and he just looked really good last year. So as a captain with SJ out, rookie half, I could definitely see him yeah, taking the reins and trying to step up. The Warriors draw. The first game's at home against the Bulldogs, which traditionally is actually a lot of points that they can put on the dogs over there. And then they go away to the Tigers and Manly and home again to the Gold Coast Titans. So that first month of football is really good for the Warriors, but I just wish he was centre wing so I could actually look at him. Yeah, tough, um, tough spot to fill the old fullback. Um, like you... I would only consider him if he was available at second three quarter. Only question I probably have for you is, when he played for the Chooks, who were the halves then? You know, when he had that massive year when he was averaging 80-odd? It was Maloney and Pierce. All right, so he did have sort of decent halves to run off. Okay, I was just wondering if maybe they were ordinary halves and he just had to do a lot more of the work himself. Yeah, the thing is, it's, it's quite different because... It's strange because even though he had good halves, it, it wasn't the reason that he was doing well. So he didn't really score a lot of tries for the Roosters. He um, he got that up because he had the highest base in the league. Like he was just killing it in base that year. His hit-ups were huge. And because of that, he was getting heaps of tackle breaks. And that's why he averaged 77. Whereas his good years at the Warriors have been because he's hit attack. Um, so, you know, last year when he had his big scores, he was getting... Good tackle breaks, offloads, and also some assists in there, or scoring some tries himself. So it was, it was a pretty different type of style. Yeah, just doesn't seem to be running as freely as he did before he had that massive injury. 
Yeah, the ACL might still be affecting him. I actually think that he'll get back in the 60s this year. I think that he'll be 60s average, but there's just too many good fullback options to go in. Um, but maybe if you're going to go stacking fullback in 5A, probably the only reason I could see considering him is if you're going to start either Teddy or Turbo and then have a reserve fullback as Roger and then have Ponga at 5A. So you've got two out of the top three fullbacks and you're going to have Roger as a cut price option. That's probably the only way I could see. Yeah, if I'm going to get any fullback in that I haven't got at the moment, it'll be Turbo before RTS. Yeah, but you're paying almost 200 grand more, so that's that's a juggling act. RTS is a good option, I think, but I'll tell you what, you'd, you'd want a happy fires. Yeah, for sure. I think that first month you probably will, but I, I can't do it myself. But let's talk about their other fallen gun, because he's a lot more interesting. Um, Isaac Luke has been a really good hooker in the past, and with SJ gone, there's potential for him to have perhaps goal kick again. He's only 485k, so when you look at him compared to another attacking hooker like him, like Josh Hodgson, he's more than 100,000 cheaper. He only averaged 52 points a game last year and 49 the year before, but averaged 60 before that, including 63 points a game in 2016. It seems like if he was healthy and with SJ gone and the goal kicking back, he's going to be in that 60s category and potentially be, you know, 10 points underpriced. But there's a, a bit of doubt about how healthy he's going to be. But if he was healthy, Billy, and had the goal kicking, I would almost be looking at downgrading Hodgson to, to Luke for round one. I wouldn't be downgrading Cook, but I'd be certainly looking at downgrading uh, to Luke if he's kicking goals. But I think that a young Kieran bloke supposed to be the sharpshooter, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, Kieran's meant to be a good goal kicker as well, so it's either going to be Kieran goal kicking or, or maybe if Luke's healthy, they'll let Luke do it to take the pressure off him. Yeah, I mean, so as far as ranking them goes, I mean, with Isaac Luke, where do you see him as far as ranking on hookers after Damien Cook? Um, I'd probably still put Smith above him because Smith is guaranteed a kicking and regardless of Smith being old, he'll, uh, old, older, he'll probably move to halves or... Someone even said today, does a really body even move to a ball-playing rock roll, which would be more interesting. So I'd, I'd probably put him down fourth, maybe. All right, well, those guys are interesting ones to take into account. They've been done before, but um, and we've already mentioned Kieran. I actually see Kieran as a, a must-have rookie if he's starting and he's goal-kicking. I, I don't think anybody should leave him out, really. Uh, if, you had to, if you had to choose one, because you wanted to put guns in your fullback and your six spot, and had to choose one between Kieran and uh, who's the Eels boat? Kevin Brown. Yeah, what would you choose? The goal kicking warrior or the supposedly rated gun Eel in a rubbish team? Well, out of two rubbish teams, mate, I'd be choosing the goal kicker every day of the week. And I think mean, a goal kicking half that's a rookie price is a godsend. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we looked at this the other day, and I think, yeah. Yeah, your six and seven has to be over sort of seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year in real in real contract value to actually average more than forty five. So um yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about dropping a hundred and sixty four K rookie if you needed the space. You can easily downgrade later. It's not like just start him anyway. Fair enough. Um let's look at our big balls pod from the Warriors, who I've started to gain a lot of interest in the last month the more I've looked at him. Isaiah Papali, who I've I'm Probably butchered that name completely, so we're going to call him Bro Papa. Um, better than Crichton. Much better than Crichton, mate. So Bro Papa is uh, 
462k, which might seem a bit expensive, but um, he averaged 49 points a game last year in 66 minutes. There's potential talk that maybe he might end up in an 80-minute role, um, potentially even at lock, doing sort of the manners old role as an 80-minute lock, um, at which point he becomes pretty underpriced, probably by about 10 points. He And some of his numbers, Billy, I mean, he's only been in the league for a couple of years, so we don't really have much to go off other than 2018, but some of his numbers um, project out to be quite the keeper if he ends up developing and being an 80-minute player. Yeah, um, he would really have to play 80, but I'm not, I wouldn't be interested in him otherwise, but I've heard a lot of people throwing his name around. So I didn't even look at him until um, uh, a little bit later on in the um, in the off season, so January. <laughs> Sad, isn't it? But yeah, he's, um, he, his eighty bit numbers are pretty uh, pretty half decent. There was a there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like twelve ish games over sort of seventy three minutes, and a lot of big scores: a ninety, eighty six, a seventy eight, sixty one, seventy four, seventy. So um, if he gets 80 minutes, definitely an option. There were a couple of uh, lowish scores in there, to be fair, like a 43, a 49, a 40, and a 45. Yeah, so Papali's numbers are pretty decent when you look at the 80-minute ones. Um, looks like he had about uh, 10-ish sort of games over 73 minutes, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those scores were decent with a 90, an 86, 70, 70, 64. So there's some decent scores in there. Yeah, look, if he gets an 80-minute roll on the edge, definitely underpriced. Uh, there were a couple of rubbish. There were a couple of uh, 43 and 49 scores earlier in the season off 80 above, so probably averages out a bit. But there's some decent numbers to, to look at, especially especially if he moves to middle, mate. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually really interested in him. I've just fit him in my side to see what it looks like now. I mean, a couple of days ago, and I, I really like it. Um, as a pod at 460k, I think he's got quite a bit of upside. He could end up even being a bit of a cheaper because um, the Warriors have lost a lot of forwards as well. They don't have a huge amount there now. He's a young guy too, so he could develop a bit. Has he got any games at 13 that we could uh, check? Because I'm only looking at last year and they're all on the edge. No, I, I don't think he does. He only really came in last year. Before that, he was playing off the bench and he only played five games in his debut year. So... Don't have much to go off, but I reckon that he's one to definitely keep an eye on. If you're not going to have the, the big balls to do it for for round one, um, I'd be watching him as a potential round three trade-in if he's um, if he's going well and getting 80 minutes. I think. Yeah, definitely uh, someone to watch for 80 minutes or middle rotation. Yeah, so I mean, the only other Warriors player to, to briefly touch on is um, Toby Harris. Um, so a couple of people defend him staunchly saying that he's one of the first picked in their side and some pretty good coaches have said that to me as well so uh, I, I'm really surprised about it, I actually think that Toby's a massive mistake, 565k second row forward only he averaged 60 a game last year but he only averaged 58 a game the year before and Sean Johnson's gone um, and he was getting a lot of help running off Sean Johnson and um, the Warriors aren't going to go too well this year I don't think, I, I can't see any reason to start Toby Harris in a stat second row, am I crazy for thinking that he's quite a mistake to throw in there? Oh, mate, you're not crazy at all the, um, the Papali is much more to go, actually averages more than Harris on the edge in 80 minutes Yeah, Toby's never going to be the, the guy well definitely for, not for 2019, he's not going to be the guy that he was where he's averaging 67 a game three years ago um, don't think you can go near him, let's um Let's leave it at that for the Warriors. I don't think there's a huge amount of super coach faith in any of them, but definitely get Kieran in there as a as a rookie. Um, but the next team as well, 
I don't actually think will go too well either, and that's the North Queensland Cowboys. They were fighting out for the wooden spoon last year, Billy, with your Eels, and mate, they've lost the immortal JT um, and turned over basically half of their 30-man squad as well. Their gains are not very good in the sense that their big one was Ben Barber and he's now gone. Um, the other two big gains were Josh McGuire, who will be good for their pack, and Nene McDonald as a winger coming over from the Dragons. The guys that they've lost, um, Jonathan Thurston's obviously the big one. They've lost a lot of other guys like um, Winterstein and Linnett who, and Coop who have made up a lot of their back line. So they've pretty much turned over the majority of their back line. I've had really varying degrees of feedback, really. Some people um, have agreed with me that the cows aren't going to go well this year and there's no way they're going to sniff the eight. And other people reckon that they're going to go fine. Where are you on where the Cowboys are going to finish for 2019? Uh, I reckon Lolo will carry that forward pack and give them a good opportunity. Um, uh, Morgan will have a few good days and a few rubbish days. I don't think they've got enough to be sort of top six. They might scrape in the eight. I don't, I'm not sure about sort of bottom four, but um, they definitely might be bottom two. They'll be somewhere in that sort of seventh sort of 14 spot, I reckon. I've got some um, case of beer bets on uh, Cowboys not finishing in the top eight, so got to be riding on it myself. But let's talk about the guy that you mentioned first, Jason Tomalola. He's probably their only gun that they've got left there. He averaged 70 points a game last year, which was massive, um, and 75 the year before, and 65 in 2016. So he his minutes are, have always been the big thing. The last two years when he's averaged 70s, he's averaged 63 and 64 minutes, and before that he was only averaging low 50s. His price at 657k, second row forward only. For me, I've been really against him, mate. I think that he's got potential to start slow, got potential to be getting under 64 minutes a game that he was averaging last year. And especially with Josh McGuire coming into that middle rotation and their forwards being their strength, I'm not keen on paying 657k for for Tom, Tom Malolo from round one. Yeah, nor am I. Uh, I think his, his minutes were inflated the last couple of years by um, not so much last year, but the year before from injury-affected games. Um, he is going to play some big-minute games, so I wouldn't. If you're going to start with him, I wouldn't be too concerned about him. The guy's a the guy's a beast. He's a dominant forward. He's going to do really well. I just think um, at his price, and like you said, with Maguire going up there, probably plays a few less minutes earlier on. By not getting him, I don't think I'll be missing out on much. But I think he's going to be an awesome player, but I'm just looking for value elsewhere, that's all. Yeah, I guess when you can pay almost 100 grand less for a kick out and, you know, 60 grand less for um, some of these other guys that are in there that look really good, I, I just think it's probably better served doing that. Um, my plan with Tom Malolo is to trade him in for the round 12 buy and then keep him from there. So I'm hoping somewhere between sort of round 7 to round 12, he's going to be a, maybe a 50 to 100k discount on where he's at and his minutes will start to rise at that point and I'll put him in there. I reckon that's a pretty good strategy for Lolo. Yeah, given the um, the rubbish t- the rubbish super coach players available for round 12 as well, I'd be quite ecstatic just to run with 12 or 13 that first round as long as they were Tom Lolo type quality. Yeah, you definitely got to get him in, um, but I wouldn't do it for round one. So let's move on. We don't have any other guns to talk about for them, but we do have some potential guns. The first one is Morgan. Um, now, obviously, JT's gone, and Morgan is a guy that, you know, me and you spoke about, but 
I was very keen on right from the get-go um, as soon as last season finished because he's only 409,000 and he's now going to be the alpha half, dual 5'8", half bait that's going to be running their team. A lot of the attack's going to go through him. Uh, I was pretty surprised, though. When I looked at his scores for 2018, he only averaged 44 points a game, which is why he's only 409,000. The years before, amazing consistency, but just below gun status. So for three years before last year, he averaged 59 points each season for those three years. I guess there's two ways to look at it, Billy. You've got a guy that's probably going to be 15 points below, which is huge for value for money. Um, But on the other hand, you've got a valuable half spot where you've got a guy that's not quite going to be a gun when there's a lot of other bigger options. Yep, 100%. He's not going to be a gun, so he's pretty much just a waste of sort of three, four hundred k when I can just have a cheapie there, mate. To be honest with you, zero interest. I've been to Mount Morgan. That place has more interest. <laughs> That's surprising because um, he's actually become pretty popular. A lot of people have got him in their side now, which took the appeal off for me as well um, because he's not going to be a pod. And he's also, yeah, looking at those numbers, he's not as glamorous as I thought he was. Um, I know one of the other boys was, was looking at a few things. I think it was Wilfred. And um, he had some good runs of high scoring, but he also had some real duds where he's scoring, you know, 17 points and... 25 points, um, and some of those games were when JT was out as well. So it looks like he might have some of those real low scores in him too. Yeah, look, let me be sensible for a second. Um, if he if he gets that 59 average, he's going to make money for you. So if you if you're not going to buy Cleary, and you want someone in your halves that's going to do the job, he's an option. He's just not for me. But to be play devil's advocate and play both sides of the field, mate, he's he is going to increase in value. But by how much, I don't know. Yeah. You're just taking a risk. You're just taking a risk on, on him being the dominant half with JT gone now and hoping that he um he picks those scores up to maybe beyond the sixty if you're lucky. Yeah, uh, he's definitely going to make hundred k plus. There's no question about that. You're going to get hundred fifty k out of him. But looking at some of his scores, you know, he had after he was off for a month uh, last year, came back and he had, and he went forty six, forty three, forty nine, forty and twelve before he hit Origin. Yeah, that's just a horrendous run. Um, then he came back and he went a bit better, but you can really see the crappy scores come in, like uh, runs like 78, 45, 61, 74, 53, 70 was nice, and then he finishes off the year with a 17 and a 22. So, yeah, I, I think that he's a fine purchase if you're going to build a team that isn't going to spend in the halves. If you want to go money-making halves and spend that money elsewhere, then a Morgan, two rookie, and maybe a Cleary at, at, um, at halfback, that, that'll work. As a build, for me personally, I'm, I'm going to spend money on my house. Um, I'm going to have two guns and two rookies, or three guns, even in my house. So I reckon that's a better way to go. Yeah, is he going to roam both sides of the field? I'm pretty sure that he will, because they're going to have a rookie um, at five eight, probably. If not, they'll have um, Martin. Oh, I think that they'll let Morgan do whatever he wants. Yeah, because I know JT said last year he was going to let Morgan make more of the calls and be more of a dominant player, but on the right side only. Maybe that's why he scored a little bit less last year when JT was around. He, yeah, I, I definitely can't. I don't think we can talk anyone out of buying him. He's going to make money. Um, but, geez, I, I'd hope that you're going to have Cleary in there at least with him, um, as well as the cheapies. But, yeah, let's move on. The other guy that's a potential gun that's gone across, well, let's talk about him together. Maguire's gone across there, and he's kind of been steady but never been a gun. But I've seen him getting some uh, some love. Um, 51 points a game last year, but before that he was 60, 58, 57. Um, 
I mean, 473k, he's priced okay, but I just see that as too much of an awkward price in between buy for me. 100%, mate. The guy is all meat and potatoes. Just have a look at his head. <laughs> Cohen Hess is the other forward partner that looks like he could be a gun, but just doesn't get there. 58 points a game in the last two years. He's been really disappointing, mate. I, I think that you were on my boat with him where we were both looking at how good he could be as a super coach player last off-season, and he just didn't really produce. I am denied about his uh, first year about buying him at that sort of um, uh, that sort of price coming off the bench. I can't remember what I did, but I remember being annoyed. So I, <laughs> maybe I didn't buy him because I remember him coming off the bench and was scoring a try every game. I think he's I think he's a much better impact player. But uh, without JT doing that short ball, um, no no way in hell am I going near him. Yeah, he averaged seventy three minutes a game last year, and he still only managed fifty eight points. So he's worked yeah, right. He can, he, can, he, can, he, can, he can be on bugger all and be like Tomorello, just last two minutes, just go over the, over the line for two tries and then you've got the, you got the shit speed time. Yeah, that's but the problem with him. Every game. And um, the cows aren't going to go as well, I don't think. So he's not a guy that, he's not a forward that's going to get you the base um, and that's going to be a concern in a side that maybe isn't going to have the, the best attack. So, yeah, a couple of guys that you know have the potential to get there in Morgan and Hess, but I don't think there's any way anyone should be starting with them in round one. So let's talk about their, their mid-option, and that is Hampton, who's come right into calculations because he's a centre-wing fullback duel. He's probably going to be able to get that fullback jersey that Barber's vacated. Averaged 37 points a game last year, but that was only in 54 minutes, and to be honest, he was thrown around in a lot of different roles. He, he hasn't averaged great in his career, but his last 80-minute year was 2015, where he had three games where he played in the centres, and he averaged 45 points there. If he's fullback, though, I mean, I think it's a lot more appealing, and he's obviously going to have his scores uptick a little bit. 360k, Billy. If you're going cheapies and mids in your centre wing, and Hampton gets the fullback spot, are you considering throwing him in there? No. Not at all. So much so that when you gave me the names to go through today, I got down to this bloke here. I couldn't think of anything. Started looking at stats. Didn't want to. Went to the kitchen, got a coffee, or came back. I just hit enter and move on to the next team. <laughs> seriously, seriously, mate, at, at that price, I would much rather pay, um, what, 220 grand for Aaron Gray or something and just leave him on the bench to rot. I just don't have any interest in him at, at that team. That's all. Quite a few do at the moment, but um, I'm, I'm not going to go there. He did look quite good in some games last year. Um, we went on some runs and had some big scores, but when you look into it a bit deeper, those big scores, he pretty much had to score some tries and make some line breaks to get there, and that was just getting 70s. So, Yeah, you don't want to go to your guys that score a try and a line break and score 60, 65. You, you want to, especially if they're scoring two to get there. Yep, agreed. So let's move on to the doggies. Um, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs have brought in quite a few players, but uh, probably the bigger ones are going to be Harawira Naira, CHN, coming over from the Panthers. He's a really good player. Uh, Dylan Napa, but obviously he's pending if he's going to be suspended. And Nick Meany isn't a big player, but he's potentially going to be their starting fullback. And Kristen Crichton from the Panthers has a chance of getting a wing spot as well. Uh, losses wise, they've Got Dave Clemmer, who's gone to the Knights. Moses Embai, who's gone to the Tigers mid-season. Brett Morris and Josh Morris have both moved on. Really, when you look at their losses, they've lost a lot, and the side that they're going to throw out there is their starting 17 for round one. 
It's not going to be too appealing, Billy. Yeah, I know what you're saying, mate. I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Eerily similar to the Eels, mate? Oh, not similar. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just know the feeling, mate. Um, doggy, doggies have always had a decent pack and managed to scrape a few wins together, so I know they'll get some. Uh, how many in how many they'll get and how that how that impacts the blokes in the key positions that we're looking for. That's that's the question we need to go through now. Well let's have a chat about their lone gun and that is Reese Martin who is one of the best cheapies in recent memory really. Um, he came on last year as a good cheapie in his debut year and he averaged sixty eight points in an average of seventy five minutes a game, which was just massive. Um, played fourteen games, so a decent sample size. His price is 634k coming into this year. A lot of people are going to be turned off because his price is similar to someone like Tom Alolo, and he is quite expensive, but he kicked goals at an amazing rate. I'm interested. I know that you love him, so I'm going to give you a good couple of minutes to go through why you love him so much. But for me, the issue is he needs to be definitely goal-kicking, which I'm sure that he will if he's on the field. Uh, but they've got a glut of forwards now. And there's talk that maybe he's he's not going to be playing 80 minutes, or some people have even said he's going to be on the bench, which I cannot believe. I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of question marks with not only Martin but the dogs pack. Yeah, I really don't want to read this one out because it's too yummy. <laughs> but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, the one thing you need to know is that when Martin was playing lock, he wasn't actually kicking goals. He kicked all season last year, except those three games at lock. So his games at lock, he actually averaged 64, and that was with no tries or no goals. He kicked on average 14 points a goal per game in net goals. So that's taking the two that he missed with a 95% success rate. So if you added an average of 64 at lock to his 14 points per game um, in goals, that's actually a 78 average at lock in 80 minutes he's going to get. So I reckon he scores a couple of tries too. So you take that work rate into account. He's an, he's an 80-minute averaging uh, player. So based off that, mate, I'll take him playing 65 minutes. I don't care if he's not playing 80 in the middle. If he's playing 80, or, 80 on the edge or even 65 in the middle and kicking goals, he's still underpriced. Yeah, that's some huge stats. He's just a beast, isn't he? Very hard to leave him out. Like you said, even if he's playing 65 minutes, if he's kicking goals and he's got those stats without the goals anyway, like he's, he just ticks all the boxes to be a super coach guy, really. Last year, after he played two games, I told you that him and Arrow were captain material every week, and you laughed at me. I did, and I think for, for that month, that Arrow was a laughable captaincy option. <laughs> so I'm going to defend myself then, a bit. And then I captained him for 130, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, he did. It was his, his only time that he scored a try, probably. I think that he got a double that week, and that was um, crazy. So, well done on getting lucky, mate. But you, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that you captained him when he was uh, getting injured and concussed as well, mate. I don't have sour grapes. At least I didn't captain Booney like someone, someone else who I'm not going to name. Yeah, that wasn't me. Um, <laughs> all right, so Martin. Do you think that he's um, 80 minutes at lock or do you think that some other guys like CHN and, and RFM rotating around with Jackson is going to impact his minutes? The guy's a goal kicker kicking 95%. Um, I'm sure he would be playing big, big minutes. Uh, he played 80 minutes in the middle of the four so, and Clem is gone, so is there any reason why he wouldn't play 80 again? I don't know. I'm not the coach, but 
put it this way. Flemmer's gone. Holman's now starting. If you were, if you were a coach and you were only going to play him for 65 minutes, who would you actually rotate through the middle with him? Well, I think that the thing that they're going to look at is if CHN or RFM are on the bench, and one of them has to be, because they're going to start in the back row three spots. It's going to be Jackson, Martin, and one of CHN and RFM. So whoever out of those two isn't, there's potential that they're going to get their minutes by coming on and rotating in the middle. So, for example, you know, RFM could come on and play 20 minutes on an edge and another 20 minutes in the middle. Um, and that would be the worry for me because they've got basically four 80-minute back rowers that they need to fit into three spots. Yeah, I, I just think they need every point they can get. And a guy, a guy with that sort of sharp shooting rate, I reckon he plays some pretty decent minutes. Whether or not that's 80, I, I don't know, mate, but... Um, Holland's the only other person that can kick and he's no guarantee to be in the team for the long haul. So you're talking up Martin a lot and I understand why. You see in your side and you're starting in round one? Oh yeah, yeah. hasn't left my team. I, I, I reckon he's in the top three averaging players by the end of the year. Huge call. Alright, I can see why though. The numbers back it up. So for me, I, I understand why you like him and I think that he's a great pot option because not many people are going to go there but I'm going to wait and see. I think a wait and see approach for me is going to work. Um, we're going to go for mate, some other options. Yeah, mate, if he plays 80 minutes at 13 and is kicking goals, I reckon he outscores everyone in the league by five points. That's a massive call. Jeez. All right, that's a big one, Billy, but, you know, we'll wait and see. We've got 12 months to find out, but I'm going to wait. Um, <laughs> he's the only gun in that side, though, so he's the only one that really people should be looking at spending on. Uh, we've got a fallen gunning Tolman who's fallen for a while, but you know I know that he's got some pretty good numbers in the past, and he is a worker. Tolman only 470k, and like you said, he was starting front row forward last year. Only averaged 56 minutes a game, but was throwing up 50 points a game for that, and obviously has a higher work rate and higher minutes in the past. David Clemmer has moved on. Um, they're going to have to put some more minutes into that um, front row rotation. So I guess the prevailing theory on, on guys like yourself that look at him as a decent front row forward option is that he's going to go from 56 to maybe 62 to 65 minutes. I think I think Tolman will probably sit around the 60-minute mark and probably average just under that 58, 59. I think he just does his meat and potatoes thing. As long as he starts, he's, he's valued. Um, He's one. Of, he's probably the, one of those guys that you need, just need to make a decision. You know, do I want to go a guy that's a lot cheaper with a higher PPM and, and off the bench, or maybe like a TPJ, um, similar TPJ type bloke that might score more with le- with less minutes, or do you just go the meat and potatoes guy who's you know is just going to give you sort of 50, 55 to sort of fifty eight points uh, at a reasonable discount. Yeah, I'm not interested in Tolman myself. I know a few guys have looked at it as a cheap promo forward option, but I mean, look, to me, you just go TPJ and just do a cut price option in front row forward. Oh, yeah, I've got TPJ too. I just met somebody in a, in a similar mall that might have bigger minutes. I'd, 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 probably, pre- I'd probably prefer someone more like a, a 400k Junior Paulo if he, if he was at that price, uh, starting the yields and hopefully getting sort of 50 minutes as opposed to Tolman. But uh, that's that's just a, a dodgy example, mate. Yeah, we're well, definitely going to get fifties out of him, so he's going to be solid. I mean, I guess one thing that we haven't mentioned with the dogs' draw is that they do play round twelve, 
So you do have the first buy, and if you do have Coleman in there for half the season, if he's thrown up 55, that's solid for the prop spot, and you've got him for round 12 for the buy already. So. Well, everyone had um, Lodge last year, and we pretty much played him for 12 rounds straight, and he did the same thing, averaged 50-odd. Tolman's price reasonably is going to give you, what, 58, sort of, worst case, 55 maybe, you think? Uh, it really depends on those minutes. I mean, if he gets the same minutes, he's, he's only a 50 average. If he gets the 62 minutes the year before, he's a 57 average. So the minutes is really going to depend. Um, and unfortunately, unlike Lodge, Tolman starts at 470k, which is fairly pricey. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, mate. I think I think the moral of this story is he's a plotter at a reasonable price who's available as a filler. It's going to give you 55 points if you need him, but look, obviously look elsewhere as hard as you can first, but worst-case scenario, he's going to do the job. Yeah, let's move on from him, but I mean, I think that the other moral of this story is it's bloody hard to talk about positives with the dogs. They don't have many super coach options, do they? It's not great. No. At least the Eels and Dogs game is going to be... Uh, uh, Head to head again and beyond. Well, a big balls pod um, might sound a bit crazy from the dogs, but uh, Kerry Holland, uh, 428k centre wing. I say that because he's a dual centre wing hooker, which is quite unusual. He only averaged 53 minutes a game last year, but he threw up 46 points a game for that. And he's actually averaged close to 50 points a game across his career. Um, if he snags a, a centre spot and he's playing 80 minutes, there seems to be a fair bit of upside, and I've even seen some real crazy ballsy teams who have thrown him in the hooker at 428k. Uh, yeah, I was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I've since taken him out. I don't have him. Um, but uh, the reason I did that was he was one of the few players. What I do is every December, the first of December, probably, sad, I know, I go and have a look at PPM from the year before and have a look at who's punching big numbers with low minutes and who's potentially going to change in value. And this guy was one of the first that popped up. Um, played half the game off the bench last year, but he actually averaged 71 last year when he actually started at centre. And that was off 10 games at the end of the season straight. So it wasn't a small game sample. Any centre three quarter average is 71, mate. That's insane. And you have to look at that. He's a backup kicker to Martin. So there's a very, very small potential that, you know, if Martin is off the field, he's going to kick goals as well. Um, might only be one, one goal here and there, but it's four points. The guy, over his career, the guy loves a try and a, TS, and a try assist consistently. So you, you know you're going to get that attack, even in a rubbish team like the Dogs. Uh, how much? Any, uh, it's anybody's guess. But so where I was going there is the guy pretty much um, loves a loves a, a super coach. Um, every super coach category, he fills them up: line breaks, uh, assists, tackle busts, tack, uh, tackles, and hit ups. Seems like he has a go, and he's got a pretty decent draw. Uh, where is it? I'm just going to pull that one up. Yeah, I was, I was going to bring up the draw. The first three weeks of gold. Yeah, Warriors, Eels, and Tigers first up. So, and I really like him. The caveat there is he's playing for the Dogs, and he's an out and he's an outside back. I'll take him if he's kicking, maybe, especially um, at that. Put it this way: if Bateman ends up not playing decent minutes or a decent position. I might throw him in um, hooker or centre three-quarter instead and use him as one of my last reserves. I'd prefer him not to be a reserve and be able to play him at centre three-quarter. The last thing I want is to potentially have a, a 400k guy that I'm not playing. But, yeah, I've heard Martin's, I heard that rumour about Martin as well, and he's got attitude issues. So that's obviously, you know, vicious grapevine, unsubstantiated, whatever. But if there's any truth to it, 
and he's kicking the goals. I 100% have him. Um, if Bateman's not playing, he's a fill-up, mate. He's definitely an option, even as you're starting on if you really want to save money, but that's a bit crazy. It is a bit crazy, but I really like him as a centre wing, and a lot of people, I think, are going to listen to this podcast and, and say we're nuts, and some will even say, who the hell is Kerry Holland? But, I mean, he's he projects out really well with good samples. He got really busy last year. He did a lot, um, and he was really into it. And, you know, like you were reading out how he finished the year... Um, or how he went through the year. He's finished from round 16. He's got like 86, 26, 37, 84, 111, 58, 42, 87, 112, 75. Like he was going great guns. And let's face it, like we could say that he's a he's an outside back for the dogs, but he was an outside back for the dogs last year and he was still throwing up those scores. So, I mean, there's a lot yeah, to Yeah, I know. He's one, he's one of those guys that you don't really think about. Like... Um... I was going to say it's a pine. It's Tapini, is it? Uh, so you look at Tapini, but it's French for no, French for no good. <laughs> um, yeah, he's one of those guys that you look at and go, wow, 71. If that was a, a front row forward or a, or a, set, or a, a second row forward, and you went, well, this guy actually averages 71 when he's, when he's playing 80-minute games. He'd be all over him, like, you know, Papa Lee, but... The fact that he plays for the Bulldogs and he's a centre quarter at sort of uh, 400k, it's kind of a little bit, a little bit less uh, interesting. But I tell you what, if those numbers hold up, mate, that's 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 crazy value. Yeah, Papali and and um, the Raider we were just talking about. Yeah, it's happening. There's some good little nuggets like um, Holland around that nobody's going to start with. Um, I, what I would say with him, I, depend, depending on TLT, if TLT is crazy. And, and Martin is on the bench, he's going to be straight in on my centre wing because he's going to be kicking goals and he's got potential to put up a lot of points in that first three weeks and make a lot of cash as well. Four, oh, oh, yeah, mate. 428, like, he costs not much at all for your centre wing spot. I currently have Martin and um, Bateman in my team. If Martin is on the bench, Martin will become Papali and Bateman will become Holt. Yep. And the other thing too, extending on what you said about Martin with his attitude and stuff um, and all those rumours, he only signed a one-year deal last year. So, you know, it's not like the dogs are invested in him long-term. For some reason, they didn't want to. Maybe it was financial, but they're not tied up in him. Um, You know, so they could very easily just decide that CHM is their future, who they brought across on a multi-year deal and, you know, not worry about putting Martin on the bench and just playing him off the bench because they're not going to re-sign him after this year. Or maybe they can't even afford to. So, yeah, it sounds crazy because he's such a good player, but it definitely could happen. And if it does, um, Holland, I think he's a great buy. Hopefully not too many people would jump on him. And as a centre wing, uh, he could be really good that first month of the season. So let's move on, though, because um, we don't want to make everyone blind for round one. <laughs> <laughs> The, the final guys to talk about in the dogs, um, I've got as a bit of a mistake for round one, and that's the two abbreviations, the um, the CHN and RFM options, uh, Patala Mariner and Corey Harrow and Naira. Both of those guys are great players. Um, RFM obviously had a career year last year. We kind of picked it um, if he got the minutes in the preseason that um, he was going to be a great buy. And he did it. He didn't disappoint. But those guys seem like they're just going to take off each other, aren't they? Like CHM and RFM are both just going to steal each other's minutes and, and make them not relevant. Yeah, even when CHM was starting uh, at Penrith, I really wasn't impressed with his um, with his rap sheet. 
I'm not really keen. If he's starting, I'm not keen on, keen on him at all. The only thing that I am keen on learning is who's, who's minutes he's going to steal, if any. Well, the thing with him as well, though, is that um, he's a dual second-row centre-wing. So, and he averaged 57 minutes a game last year. So I, I don't think that he can average... You know, there's no, I don't think he can average 80. But if for some fluke he managed to get 80 minutes on an edge spot... Um, he should probably be considered to go straight into centre wing at 400k. Oh, you could consider you could consider him, but I just don't like his work rate. I wouldn't. He's not going near my team at centre three quarter, even if he's playing 80. Oh, big call, mate. Even if he's an 80 minute back rower at 400k, you're not doing it. Um, Chris Lawrence is an 80 minute back rower, probably at 400k. Would you put him at centre three quarter? <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, I see. I, I've got to say, I'm a CHN fan. I've actually liked him since he came. <laughs> he, he hits a nice attack, um, which I like. So, yeah, we'll agree to disagree on him. But I think at the moment, the way it's looking, um, you know, even if he gets 60 minutes a game, he's not really going to be worth it. He projects out to only be a 45 minute a game player um, at those type of minutes at 60. So, yeah, I mean, and I, I do see some teams throwing him in the centre wing, and occasionally guys talk about RFM because he was good last year. You can't go near either of those guys, and to be honest, I'm pretty loath to touch anyone in the pack for the Bulldogs for round one without seeing any rotations. Yeah, fair enough, mate. So Morgan Harper looks like the only cheapie for the Dogs. Um, if he goes in there, he could be a good one for centre wing, but other than that, the Dogs don't really seem to have too much else to offer, and... Good start to the year, mate, but I think I'm going to have to mostly stay away from the Bulldogs players. <laughs> yeah, it's good chatting with you, mate. There's a couple of extra ones now that I need to look at a lot more closely now, those three that we were just talking about. Yeah, definitely interesting. All right, guys, so that'll be our last in the preseason uh, podcast team previews. So we've got all our teams wrapped up. Billy, thanks for jumping on again, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. Good to be here. All right, cheers, mate. Uh, all right, guys, so... You can download us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, also follow us on Twitter at NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Um, and do share us around and thanks for listening. We will have uh, a few more preseason ones out in the coming weeks, guys. So you can look out for those. Uh, but otherwise, good luck with your round one teams. Uh, and we'll chat to you again in a couple of weeks.